Welcome to the Plus Six Podcast. My name is Pete, and I'll go by the name of AFL Ratings Pete on Twitter. Joining me on episode 44 as co-host is a man you know on Twitter as JepBDT. Welcome to the show, Jep. Hey, Pete. How's things? We are right in the middle of a condensed fixture. Jep, what are your thoughts initially? Well, I love footy every night, first and foremost. Let's let's tick that off. That's that's a huge win for footy lovers like ourselves. And, you know, it's it's interesting watching the team's name today and all the managed players and, and how that affects fantasy. But all in all, I think it's... Um, it's working and it's it's got the interest you know there and it's comp, you know footy's always there every night now for the next few weeks so yeah I, I'm a huge fan of it definitely I love it too as well average scores are now applied to buy teams jet it makes for an interesting decision especially as those players are locked in at the first game each round yeah, so look, that's that was needed to be clarified a few times to so the the greater fantasy public. Um, so guys like Will Day, um, you know Doherty, the Primos, Gaff, Mitchell, they're all points. Their points are in, and we've we've banked them. Especially if you're trading those players in or out of your team, that trade is locked at game one each round. One key element on average scores if you are targeting a player that is now value yet to have a buy jet. Their average will be applied, so just be careful how many players you target pre-buy as you will likely lose points to the field jet. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, so what you mean there is, mate, is like if you target a Zorko, who's still pretty cheap, he's got an average of 72 as we speak, and um, if he's, you know, the fixture surprises us and he comes in with a buy, we're going to get a low average. Um, that's what you mean there. And, yeah, sure, when you're chasing value, like most of us are at this stage of the game and where it's hard to generate cash, you, you do need to keep that in mind, definitely. Um, ultimately, I think value wins, um, and we can always manage those average scores as we see fit with three trades. But um, we've said this time and time again, the target... And the first aim for every team has to be getting the rookies off off your starting 22. Yep. And then the others, other problems follow. So, yeah, definitely note the average scores and, and targeting some players with low averages who haven't started the season as well as they would like. But nevertheless, we, um, we aim to uh, score the most as we can. And, you know, Zorko, Witherden, Stewart, they're a few names of, of recent weeks. Planning each round trades and captain selections are so, so important yet scenario building also opens up a deep thought process on every player in your team jet oh absolutely so we we sort of run the gauntlet and look last week was a good test but it was a first pass for all of us um you know i i ran with uh, the vice captain had gone, and um, I didn't like his 99. Well, I didn't mind it, but I was striving for the highest possible, and I thought Grundy would dominate against Brio, which, you know, only scored, outscored Gorn by two points. So, yeah, you're definitely you're still marking and key marking the, the highest scorers in your side, um, and then leaving, you always got to have a contingency plan. So my recommendation is if you say going a Gorn for tomorrow night, which you probably wouldn't because he's under a bit of an injury cloud, but if you were, then is Grundy going to be your, your captain backup or a Whitfield or the like? So you're just planning ahead in a, in a sort of two or three scenario instance. And, um, you know, worst comes to worst, you have a um, someone on the last 
uh, game of the round to um, to fall back on. Which is interesting because I've used my in when we're talking about round ten, I used my VC on the first game and I've and I loopholed my captain on the second game. So it's interesting you say go at the end. I went very early this round just to be a little bit different. But I also sat down and planned out very well my trades, loophole options if I wanted to hit a Monday night one. Um, so there was much thought process put into my round 10. And when we get into round 11, that'll be the same process for me. But you alluded to this earlier, Jet, was we had many managed players out for team selections for Wednesday night. I think once we get into round 11, uh, that could be sort of commonplace for multiple players in and out of teams. Your thoughts? Yeah, oh, definitely. And we, we harped on it last week and the week before where we said make sure we've, you've got the, the bench players playing. Um, and, you know, the, the day, Will Days of the World, Tobe Watsons, they're all going to come in handy. You know, hopefully Justin McInerney and, and the guys that we haven't seen for a while come back in and, and be part of that rotation. Um, but, yeah, planning those emergencies or having those emergencies is uber critical. So, so important. Yeah, I used all my three trades pre-first game, which is highly dangerous, but again, I want to be unique. The interesting part there was that I had all four lines covered with emergencies, and one of those emergencies has had to be enacted in Toby Watson, and he replaced uh, McPherson, who was managed this week. So if there's another defensive out for me, I will cop a donut. So that's just a risk that we're going to play for the rest of the season. I do dare say that we're going to cop some donuts along the line. It's just hopefully you don't cop that many. Okay, Jep, teams will now start to manage players, as, as we mentioned, in and out of teams, as well as managing player roles and minutes within games. Again, bench cover is crucial. What are your thoughts? Yeah, bench cover, having the three trades and, and try, like, um, uh, in some instances, you're going to have to use all three trades early, but, you know, delaying it as soon as possible just for those laid outs and, and getting that little edge. So, um, you know, I'm not... if if you're not time poor and you, and you can um, you can leave your trade to the very last minute and, and cover those laid outs, then I, I, that's my recommendation. Yeah, I might have a bigger look next week rather than emptying my trade basket early to see how most of the teams approach the next round because you know we might we're right in the middle of that little first part of the condensed fixture, so therefore yeah. managing players might be more commonplace. So I want to have a bit of a look next week, so I might delay my trade. So just a bit of a thought process there, what I'm going for for round 11, which starts on Saturday. Okay, make sure you are following AFL ratings on Twitter for updates to maintain a strong fantasy game, especially in these condensed fixtures. Okay, while your opponents are still trying to work through news and information, you're in here crushing it. If you'd like a chance of scoring a Plus 6 podcast cap, we'll give some more away at the end of the season. Just retweet any podcast link that is sent out via Twitter. Okay, Jeb, this week on episode 44, Jeb and I will talk about key players during round 10 and ahead of round 11. Keep in mind, we are recording this podcast late on Tuesday night, August 4. Make necessary adjustments as news comes to hand. Remember, Jeppa and I are focused on overall rank in AFL fantasy. At times, we will have differing opinions. Okay, we're going to go to, into a different structure for the condensed fixture. We're just going to go alphabetical on teams. We're going to hit a few 
players from each team. It's going to be a quick fire in and out for comments. Um, obviously, we want to make these podcasts as quickly as possible because once we're in that condensed fixture, you can make decisions very quickly listening to a short podcast. So off we go. Jep, Adelaide, Harry Schoenberg, he's going to make his debut. We were bullish on him over the preseason. Your thoughts? Yeah, the, we like him to a uh, very young Patrick Dangerfield with his burst of pace and, and power. So look where Adelaide's going. They've got to develop their youth and, and Schoenberg's definitely part of their future. So I'm expecting a lot of gains from Schoenberg from here on in. Brody Smith has been dealing with a knee injury from the last game. He was a little bit slow at training today, so just one to be careful for the Adelaide game. He was named. Your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, look, for current owners, you just persist with him. Um, but, you know, he, there's the rest potentially next week if, he, if he's got a little niggle. Lockie Scholl, he's going to make his AFL debut. Looks decent, a half-back type player, Jeff. Yeah, half-back, that average 19 disposals in the sample last year, um, and he went at 92% efficiency. Uh, so that's we, we love that from the, the young kids, and, and hopefully that transpires in the AFL level. That is one player definitely to target. Okay, on to Brisbane, Lockie Neal. Jeb, he's one to own towards the end of the year. Your thoughts? Yeah, he was a bit quiet tonight um, from his standards, still punched out an 88, but um, look, there is more attention with Neal as it comes, and, and look, when Brisbane didn't play well, neither did Neil. Dane Zorko, he was a value option a couple of weeks ago. Jet, your thoughts? Yeah, he's very active through the middle for Brisbane, um, getting uh, a lot of marks as well as goals and the like, so I still like him as a value pick. Zach Bailey, he has grabbed attention for most fancy coaches. Jet, your thoughts? Yeah, it's a no from me. I, I, I'm, I'm off Bailey. I, I just like uh, other options in defence at the minute. Carlton, Patrick Cripps, the free kick narrative was in play last week and his scores reflected that. Your thoughts, Jep? <laughs> Definitely. Uh, so, look, he, he might score well for a couple of weeks, but, again, the guy that drags that much attention, I just try to stay away from those type of players. Sam Doherty, he has been getting defensive uh, attention from four opposition forwards, but the Blues are moving the ball north-south rather than east-west. His scores are suffering, Jep. Yeah, they are, and it's going to take someone with incredible guts to offloading, given what primos are available in defence. So I think you just hold fast and, and solve other issues. Mark Pitnett, yes, he did have a few scores below par a few weeks ago, but he was one player that's not getting out of the Carlton team anytime soon, Jep. He's not, but you've got to strive for the for the best scores around, and I don't think Pitnett is um, the long-term option. Collingwood, Adam Trelaw, he's still a unique, Jep. Your thoughts? Oh, definitely. I'd love to have him in my team as much as anyone. So when when it becomes feasible, it will happen. Brody Grundy, that score is going to come out, and he is a captain option, especially during this condensed fixture period with the loophole in play, Jet. Definitely, definitely. And, um, you know, facing Sydney this week, they haven't had the best histories. Paul Callum Sinclair is, has had his heart troubles against opposition, so I'm expecting big things from him. Steel side bottom came into the team last week after his suspension. He'll be fresh. I don't think he'll be getting rest during this condensed fixture period. Jeb, he's very low owned. Your thoughts? Yeah, he definitely won't be rested, um, and he played incredibly well, especially in that last quarter on Sunday. So, um, look, I I think he again, if you can afford it, he's he's worth the extra coin. One very important note here on steel side bottom towards the end of the home and away season. I'm bullish in trading in. But his wife is due to give birth at the end of the home and away season during that period. So just be careful. You might have to pull the trigger to get 
back out, steal side bottom from your team. So it's very, very noteworthy for AFL Fantasy, especially for those ranking quite well, Jep. Yeah, that would sting, wouldn't it? If um, you're heading into the last round and there's a forced trade or or something along those lines. So, yeah, okay, no, good good point. Three trades per week should be easy to overcome. Okay, on to Essendon, Zach Merritt. He's playing more of an outside role this season. Jep, your thoughts? Yeah, I don't mind the Zach Merritt pick still, especially the way Essendon play. He's one of the best kicks in that side, so he'll um, command a lot of the ball. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the Merritt pick there just for now. Sam Draper, Jep, you were high on him during the preseason. Obviously, he's coming off an ACL, and he looked really good last week. Yeah, definitely had an influence. Um, and unlike mo- most Ruckman, especially most young Ruckman, played an influence when he went forward too and, and clucked a couple of marks. Yeah. So, um, yeah, lot to like. Obviously, Essendon have put so much time and, and been patient with him to date, and they'll continue to do so. So expect games from him. Yeah, if he can go number one ruck, which I think by the looks of him out of his first game that I think he can, he will make plenty of cash chip. Yeah, yeah. Look, 27 grand in his first week. He's at 197 grand at the moment. Um, I think we mentioned last week I've had him since round one. So, um, yeah, there's a lot to like. Okay, on to Andrew McGrath. The scores have been quite volatile the last couple of weeks, Jep. He's been up, he's been down, he's highly owned in up top 25. Your thoughts, Jep? Yeah, it's much like a bit like Neil. When when his team's playing well, he, he normally scores well. So um, I think he relies on a, a lot of help around him, and he's hoping he might have a, a tough going this week against GWS, but he's hoping he can get back to his best. Just on that Essendon and GWS game, the weather forecast is quite poor. So for those who have those players involved, just be aware scores could be quite volatile in wet conditions on the Gold Coast Friday night. Okay, on to Fremantle. Caleb Sarong, he has moved into high minutes into that midfield, Jeb, and his scores are reflected. He did a job on Patrick Dangerfield. He did a pretty good job on also Taylor Adams, and his scores are booming, Jeb. Yeah, doing super well and playing with a. He looks confident out there too. You know, watching his his body language amongst the packs. Um, there's no backward steps. So yeah, really, really good signs. Connor Blakely, not too sure about this. There's some players still to come back into that team. Jeb, your thoughts? <sighs> Look, he played midfield, and yeah. dare I say, I watched him very closely. Given he's he's a bit of a value pick in defence. Michael Waters. Yeah, there's a few to come back, I'm fully aware. But, um, yeah, it's it's where Fremantle seem in, in the future. He looked a lot fitter yeah. and he moved a lot freely than I remember in the past. So that was the biggest part of it, um, watching him against Collingwood. But, you know, he did some really nice things and, and, and didn't turn over the ball as, as uh, traditionally he would have. So... Um, Jury's out. Obviously, the price rise is already in for this week, um, be it a, a smallish one. So let's view another game and then analyse from that, I think. OK, on to Luke Ryan. Just another defender to throw into the mix for options, Jet. Oh, look, he's, he's a, he played superbly last weekend and he's intercept marking and he'd be close to All-Australian. So um, a play with that kind of confidence, one of the best kicks in that back line too. So, yeah... It's it just it's a roller coaster ride with Ryan. He will have the weeks where he scores a forty or a fifty. That's all. Geelong Mitch Duncan. He is value at his current price. His role is fantastic. I like him. What are your thoughts, Chip? 
I like him too, but I'm just wary of his injury history and his age. Um, and Geelong aren't a club that risk players, especially when they want to peak at the right time of the season. So it's a no from me. Brandon Parfit was managed out of the team this week, so that's a, almost pretty much a trade-out, Jeff. Yeah, definitely. Yep, you just cut your losses and, um, and up, upgrade him. Tom Stewart, quite unique to that top 25. Jeff, your thoughts? Yep, loves a plus six, and um, we love him too. So, look, he the, the way they played West Coast last week was a deliberate ploy to frustrate them and keep the ball out of their hands, so that really influenced his scores. He had nine marks half-time, but only finished the game with uh, 10 or 11 from memory. So, yeah, if um, against North this weekend, it might be a bit more free-flowing and, and not such a high score, but he should be pretty consistent from here on in. OK, Gold Coast, Hugh Greenwood, low tackles last week. Jep, your thoughts? Yeah, disappointing, wasn't he? So we, we back him in to, to bounce back from that. Lockie Weller, that midfield usage is sort of a little bit varied at the moment, and his scores are starting to suffer, Jep. Are we trading him out? Oh, I think... Probably not yet, but um, I think he's got to be on, on the cards for down the track when all rookies are off the ground. Again, he's playing, so I'm not too sure whether people want to trade out a player that should actually be playing in the team, So especially during this Kness fixture period. OK, Isaac Rankin, Jep, he's probably one to cash out right about now. Yep, um, definitely. He didn't have a great game against GDRS last weekend. He should bounce back against St Kilda, but... Um, you know, with a, you're not missing out on much cash generation if you get rid of him this week. GWS, again, that GWS and Essendon game is wet for this week. So, therefore, Josh Kelly is a unique into that top 25. Jeff, what are your thoughts for the rest of the season on him? Uh, post this game, wet weather football, Kelly, you know, traditionally doesn't score well in wet weather, and neither does um, a lot of the Giants players because they love sharing the ball and, and rely on the mark kick game. So... Um, don't mind him from, um, you know, in a couple of weeks' time, but um, I'd pass on him this week. Like a Whitfield, if you don't own him, it's time to get him in, Jep. Oh, look, it's automatic. Um, again, if it's not this week and you don't own him, and it's not the end of the world. Yeah, look, another player that relies a lot on the kick mark game. Probably won't go huge this week, but um, still a required player. Tim Sarando, Jep, for those who are chasing overall rank and they're closing in on... Uh, top 1,000, top 100, or even first, Tim Sarando provides a unique option. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and has history from last season of scoring very well. Started last week pretty good, um, but faded late. So, you know, with every week that passes, he gets a little bit more game fit. He, he should get back to his best, so don't mind it. Hawthorne, Tom Mitchell, he popped in for a big score last week. Jeb, good to see. Oh, yeah, and he laid a lot of tackles, which was... Um, very, very good sign. So um, we have mentioned offloading him as a bit of a point of difference, but um, I think that move is now a bit redundant and um, we hold and hope he keeps going well. Will Day, Clarko has actually been quite bullish on leaving Will Day at halfback. There are good signs there, Jep, to leave him in defence and on field. Yeah, big ticks, and I can see why, because, you know, he's above his years in terms of where his footy's at. So... He's got a lot to give, provide Hawthorne and a lot still to give for us fantasy coaches. Chad Wingard, time to get him out, Jeff. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think so. I think, um, again, you, if you very minimal rookies on field, then you can look to offload and as a bit of a sideways game. 
Max Gorn, he had some scans earlier this week, Jeff, but he's good to go for the game against Adelaide. But it's probably just something to keep an eye on, on his performance against the Crows. Your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, look, and he'll he'll have his challenges against Riley O'Brien, who's no pushover. So i um, not expecting a massive score, but at least he's playing. Clayton Oliver, again, this is another player unique to the top-ranked coaches. This is one player to target for me. I recommend this one, Jeff. Your thoughts? Yeah, of, of the unique primos, I think Oliver is um, is the top of the tree. Just one, because Max Gorn puts it down his throat, usually. And then two, he just he tackles marks and, and kicks and handles in and under. He does it all. So he doesn't kick a, a lot of goals, yes, but um, he makes up with it for, with his intent and intensity around the footy. So, yeah, big, big, big option and big tick for me. Christian Petrarca, he's been used heavily in the midfield this season, Jeff. Uh, we're holding on to him, no doubt. But for those thinking about getting him in, what are your thoughts? Well, what are your thoughts on a sneaky um, vice-captain um, vice pick for this week against Adelaide? You know, he, he can go big against some of the uh, the lesser teams, no offence to Adelaide, but, um, you know, I think he... He's vying and probably in line for an All-Australian spot, and he, and he would know that, and that accolade would mean a lot to him, given the criticism he's copped throughout the early part of his career. So he's still got a lot to prove, and we're only seeing the start of Christian Petrarca. North Melbourne, Curtis Taylor. He's out for three weeks with a knee injury. That's five games. He's tr- a straight trade-out, Jep. Yep, no, no brainer. Most would have done to uh, Woodcock and... Um, yeah, you just enjoy that 200 grand cash in and, and keep going. Joy Simpkin, he's still in the midfield, but he just can't get his hand on the ball the last couple of weeks, Chip. Yeah, and I don't think it's a fitness problem either. Again, someone I watched really closely, um, he just looked a bit out of sorts. So whether um, his role's slightly different since coming back and he's slightly more outside, um, but yeah, he just, he's got to find that niche again and he's going to have his work cut out against Geelong, no offence. So... Oh, it's not looking great. Todd Goldstein, he has been outstanding this year, Jep. And if you're holding him against Gorn or Grundy, what are your thoughts on just staying with Goldie? What are your thoughts? Yeah, look, I don't mind it, especially this week against Geelong. Ree Stanley doesn't have the best track record against Ruckman. So he should go all right, but he's an older player, mate. So there could be a rest and... You know, it might only be for one week, but that, geez, that would be costly for the guys that are relying on him for overall rank. Okay, on to Port Adelaide. Dan Houston, he's been sitting in that back line, Jep, and his scores have been suffering. Yeah, not not ideal. So, look, I still take a little bit away from his previous history. Again, Port Adelaide's form is a bit shaky. It's not that convincing. So, um, yeah, I don't know where to put that one because... Like I said before, there's not a lot of uh, primo defenders putting their hand up saying, pick me, pick me. So, yeah, it's it's a tricky one. I, I think it's it's a hold just so you can get your other, um, those last couple of um, rookies off your field. On to Boyd Woodcock. A few fancy coaches traded him in on Monday night. He looks actually quite decent for a small forward, Jeb, but the score's just probably not going to be elite. Yeah, look, active, very active. Um, yeah, 40, probably, <laughs> that was probably a compliment too. So um, we'll see how it goes from here on in. He, he could be dropped next week, the way um, Ken Hinckley operates. 
Onto Peter Laddam, Scott Lysett is on the radar to return, but Laddam's had a good result on Monday night, Jeff. Yeah, he's um, really physical um, and definitely did his job on Team English, who who we know doesn't like the physical stuff. So the the, the matchup suited him, and, and that was a good return from the handful of owners that he has. Richmond, Dustin Martin, value pick there, Jeff? Oh, look, he can have a good game and still score 70. And I mean a really good game and still score 70. So I think we've got an abundance of forwards where they're far more appealing than Dusty. On to Jaden Short. Basher Hawley is on the radar for a return in just over a week, Jep. Yeah, he is. So we all know that he's a designated quarterback for Richmond. So Short scores suffer. Um, and that's why he wasn't picked initially from my end and, and many deterred off him for that exact reason as well. Riley Collier-Dawkins, he is on the radar for return and it looks like Trent Cochin might get a rest this week for round 11. So Collier-Dawkins might be on the radar for a debut jet. Yeah, loves to tackle. I definitely know that. Um, and he's a big-bodied midfielder, so... Look, I'd, I'd argue that um, they need a bit of a big-body midfield in their team balance. So, so, yeah, expecting him to definitely play one or two games, but how how that goes forward after this condensed fixture is anyone's guess. Um, so just keep that in mind. Just on St Kilda here, Max King, for those who are rolling with Max King on the bench, just one thing to think about is that he's playing each week, so that's actually pretty good bench cover. Your thoughts there, Jeff? Oh, absolutely, and let's not lose sight of the fact of probably his best game for the club last weekend as well. So, um, yeah, these the, both of them, both King boys, are going to be great players and, and hard to stop um, in years to come. But for now, we, yeah, you're right. They're they're playing every week, so you just ride the wave and. And having bench cover, again, we sound like a broken record. It's um, it's the optimum right now. Jack Steele, Saints coach Brett Ratton, has let Steele go this year without using him in tagging roles, and his scores are showing up quite nicely, Jep. Yep, very much so. He's one of the leading um, scorers in fantasy this season. Who would have thought? So, um no credit to him, and he's playing with a, a lot of confidence and uh, that licence to, to do what he's want. Is um is obviously boosting his confidence too. So um, don't mind Jack Steele for the POD um, primo mid pick either. Zach Jones, one for maybe later in the year, Jeb, but his midfield usage is quite high. It is quite high, but I don't think it's a. I think it's a pass. You, you know, you're bringing Zach Jones in for the rest of the season. I think there's there's better options. Sydney, Luke Parker, his scores are flourishing right now, Jeb. Josh Kennedy is looking good for return in a few weeks. He is, and um, look, Parker's got the, the whole midfield load on effectively on his shoulders, so hence the, the great scores, and then, yeah, he probably will ease up a bit when Kennedy comes back, but um, oh, look, uh, we, we spoke about Trelaw and Oliver. I think they're the two um, standouts with Steele that, that you target ahead of Parker at this minute. Yeah, just on Josh Kennedy there, he is back in training, so look for him to return to this Swans lineup quite soon. On to which will impact our next player we're going to discuss, Jeff, which is Callum Mills. He's been used in the midfield the last couple of weeks. His scores have been okay. 
Yeah, they've been good. Um, nothing crazy over the top, but 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 solid for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, having Kennedy back obviously is a scary thought for a back to the defensive role change and, and those smiled 60 scores. So no one wants that, and um, we avoid if we can. West Coast, Andrew Gaff. He was very quiet last week, Jeb. Yeah, and look, the, the, all that in theory was fantastic, and um, to, to dish up what he did last week was... Was a shock, really. I, I, I was shocked. Um, as a obviously a, a big West Coast fan, he, it's not as if um, he had a, an abundance of attention. He just couldn't get into the game. So um, yeah, it's it was a disappointing result. But you know, what did he get? He's still 87 this week, so we'll take that. Tim Kelly, he's a unique jet, but he's probably a tier two midfielder. Your thoughts? Yeah, again, there's 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 a handful of players ahead of Kelly in fantasy to to pick up before Kelly, no doubt. And you would probably add Luke Shrew into that mix as well. Oh, for sure. And and the way West Coast play, that you know, if one, if Tim Kelly's up, then Shrewy might be, you know, doesn't need to do as much and and sort of takes a backward step or vice versa. And you know, they do spread the love amongst Yo as well and even Dom Sheed at times. So, um, yeah, it's it's a sort of a, uh, yeah, a, a yo-yo of schools. Western Bulldogs, Jack McRae, he's hitting those ceiling games, Jip. He is. Um, and, look, it's sort of automatic given how highly owned he is, but um, as a non-owner, oh, jeez, it's it's hurting. It was hurting watching him play last night. I didn't target him with Dunkley coming back um, on purpose. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough, tough pill to swallow. Speaking of Josh Dunkley, there's a player that we know has a high ceiling and he is very low on chip. He is, and we he started, again, started really well and faded late, probably is a bit associated with fitness. And um, like Taranto, in the same boat, got the history, we know what he can do. It's whether the Bulldogs, who are vying for top eight, obviously, want to, um, want to dig deep as a side, and Dunkley will be a big part of that. So... You know, he that ceiling is what the attractive part of it all is. So, yeah, you're right there, Pete. It's um that is the high risk, high reward part with picking Dunkley. Yeah, and Bailey Smith looked okay in round ten Monday night, Jep. Yeah, he did, but he's it's like a score of sixty six isn't doing anyone any favors. Um, it's just that that little bit off, isn't it? So, you know, we we're striving for the eighties, and um. And, yeah, he's just a little bit off the pace at the minute, so it can, can be frustrating. He's pretty consistent, though, So, but it's just not that high ceiling of McRae or Dunkley. Yeah, 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 not spot on. Okay, Jep, on to some ownership numbers from round nine. Top 25 ranked coaches, defenders, Sam Doherty, 96%. That's actually dropped down one coach, doesn't own him in that top 25. Jake Lloyd at 68%. He's coming increasingly higher each week. Houston is at 68%, still strong. Jack Crisp seen a 24% increase at round nine. He's now up to 48%. Brody Smith, 40%. So that's one to keep out an eye out for a lot of those coaches for Wednesday night. McPherson, who was managed this week, he was at 36%. Uh, Will Day, 28%. Haynes at 28%. He's pretty much low end considering what I think he can do, Jep. Sisley at 24% and Ridley at 20%. Who catches your eye right there, Jip? Well, firstly, McPherson and the damage control and the effect of that. So yeah. 
though the there'll be quite a few options. Well, two that come to mind are Stu and Witherden, and which way they, they they're the two first options really, the obvious ones. Um, and then the one coach that didn't go Doherty, who would have been banking a 79 this week. That's that's big kahunas. So um, interesting move. I, I wouldn't have done that. Well, they might have traded him in before round 10, but that's one trade that would have had to be pulled prior to the first game. Okay, on to the midfielders, Jep. We've got Mitchell at 88%, Neil at 80%, Canelio 68% and climbing, McGrath 60%, Simpson at 56% holds his spot in the team this week, McRae at 52%, he is increasing by the week, Varney is declining by the week at 48%, Sarong at 40%, which was an increase of 24% from round 8, Gaff at 36%. There was an increase of 16% from round eight. Taylor Adams at 28%. He was highly owned in that top 25 several weeks ago. Zorko, he's the man for you, Jeb. He's at 24%, increase of 20% from round eight. And Pickett's still on field for plenty of coaches at 20%. Who grabs your eye right there, Jeb? So out of that list, we've, I, I still see that there's mostly two starting rooks in the top 25. Is that probably fair to say? Yeah. One, to, one to two. So that's interesting. I thought that that would have been nailed, and it might be nailed by now this week, given we're in the half, well, almost halfway through round 10. So um, that that's yeah, that is an interesting point. Um, Zorko, the value pick, makes a lot of sense, and and the 94 tonight from Zorko obviously ticks a lot of boxes for those owners. So yeah, we're going to see a bit of change in the percentages, and and if you, the percentage you actually read out, a lot of them are that in those 20 to 30 range. So that's that gives us that variance and variables of of the other coaches hunting them down yep. um, above them. Yep. On to the rucks, Jep. Grundy is now the highest owned Ruckman at 68%, increase of 12% from last week. Gorn was 56%, which is a little bit of a drop of 8% from last week. Goldstein, 36% and strong. Pitnet still 16%. A couple of coaches in with him. Wits at 12%, so a couple of coaches traded him. In, or a couple of coaches now ranked in the top 25 have Wits. O'Brien at 4%, English at 4%, and Laddams, quite risky right there at 4%. Your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, look, it all makes sense. Um, I think I'd be looking to offload the pit nets uh, of the world. Um, and even, you know, the Tim English, I think that's that's a move we, you need to shake up and, and fix. So, yeah, look, a lot of sense in, in the Gorn and Grundy high ownership. And speaking of that ownership, that is now up to 36%, increase of 4% from round 8. And teams ranked number 1 and 2 are Gorn and Grundy owners, Jep. Yep, there you go. It's um, the safe bet. On to the forwards, Jep. We've got Petrarca at 96%. Rankin, he was started on field by 80% of the top 25 last week, which is massive. Okay, then we go to Bailey Smith at 76%, Whitfield at 76% in the forward line. He's 90, he's 92% totally owned midfield forward. Brayshaw at 72%, Greenwood who had a low score last week at 68%, 72% total owned. Simpkin 52%, Wingard his ownership is declining by the week at 20% and 12% of teams owned Curtis Taylor last week. Jeff, your thoughts? Yeah, so the, the Rankin and Curtis Taylor. Um, so the Rankin one, I, 
I benched him last week thinking that GWS would be all over him with their, you know, their tight-knit yep. defensive six. So that is a big, big surprise, really. Um, the coach is cashing in on Curtis Taylor now. That's a given. Um, and then, yeah, the rest sort of speak for itself. Simkin at 50%, that's going to continue to reduce, I would have thought, um, for, for those coaches that um, have that luxury. So, um, yeah, look, it's um, it really is... I think what we're going to find in the next week or two is, is effectively no rookies on field anymore, and it's it's those value picks, and you've read a lot out tonight, mate. Yeah, I guess in a bit, what are your thoughts about three weeks for a completed type team? You know, you've got a few value picks, so three rounds, I mean. So what are your thoughts there, Jip? Uh, look, from where I am, where I'm at, and I'm looking at my team as we speak, yeah, that's probably about right. I would have thought potentially the better coaches with a, that have a bit have had a bit of luck, sorry, um, would be able to do it in one or two rounds. Okay, Jeppa, and I will return next week for episode 45. The podcast schedule for the remainder of the season is for it to land still on late on Tuesday nights. Jep, that's it for episode 44. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Thanks, guys.